encouraged. I want to talk to you about the three necessities for God's work. Three necessities for God's work. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, we're a Bible-preaching church. If you come to Gospel Baptist for a service, you're going to hear the Bible preached. It will be preached uh, in a balanced fashion. It will be preached according to long, time-held uh, rules that have been, that have been uh, well-established on biblical interpretation. First mention, last mention, comparative mention. We believe in the literal, normal, historical sense of the Bible. We read the Bible like you would read a manual if you want to put something together. The words mean what they say they mean because they're trying to teach you something. And the Bible words mean pretty much what they say they mean because they're trying to teach you something. God did not write the Bible as a secret code book. It is a book of revelation. In fact, the last book of the Bible, Apocalypse, means to reveal the book of Revelation. And so God is not trying to hide something. There's no subcode. That's all a bunch of hogwash. There's no super secret code. There's no one every, every eighth letter and all that kind of stuff that they try to come up with. God wanted you to know what he wrote in the Bible. That's your manual. It's an instruction manual. It's a survival guide. It's a love letter. It's a rule book. It's absolutely, totally necessary for a Christian to succeed in this life. And if, I've, if I, I have a few driving um, peculiarities, maybe, of my ministry that I've been able to have here now at the gospel, one of them is, is I've hobby horse and rode like a horse uh, to read your Bible. And I'll be honest with you, that's selfish. And we have a few pastors here. Pastored many more, the pastor more years than I've pastored. And they know that a group of people that know the Bible is an easy group of people to pastor. And the people that don't know the Bible are really hard to pastor because they got all kinds of misconceptions, all kinds of misunderstandings. They're going in every direction. And every time one runs out, you got to go grab him. No, that's not the way to go. No, no, that's not the way to go. That's not. But people know the Bible, they know why we're here and what the point of this whole thing is. And they understand that nobody's perfect, and we, we, put up with, and we put up with differences for the cause's sake. So the Bible is a book you got to know. Neglect it in your Christian life. Neglect it, and your Christian life will reflect it. I'm getting like a poet here. Not, not quite as good as Reverend Ike, but most of you didn't know him. Neglect it, and your Christian life will reflect it. Get absorbed in it, and your face will change. A sweet glow will appear. Girls, you want to get rid of those wrinkles? You want to get rid of that, that look that you got? How do I know? I'm looking at you. I mean, uh, and... Man, let the Bible fill your soul. It'll do for you like gaining 10 pounds a year. It'll just make your face sweet looking. Just keep it full. Your vocabulary will change. It'll mature. You'll grow. And become more like heaven. And less like earth. Your stability in life will increase. The fear that wants to so 
plague us will flee. Anger, which is like a demon, will subside. Lust, which will take every good thing away from it that you ever had and give it to somebody else, will be controlled. Enemies, and we all have enemies, will be at peace with you. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 7, when man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. If you get into the book and know the book, your life will be radically changed. You will increasingly feel strange in this world, out of place. Now, I've never in my life felt more out of place in this world than I do today. I feel like I came from another planet, man, compared to what I hear these people talking. They're arguing for and defending killing their babies. I'm talking one of the, one of the Democratic candidates said he believed that you should be able to abort a child day before birth. Day before birth. We might as well kill him day after birth. These are the kind of monsters that aren't even ashamed to talk about that. And yet they say, Trump's Hitler. I have to say that Hitler acted more like them. But you know the word of God? You're going to understand what's going on in the world. Even today, a person that knows the Bible, he gets it. He gets what's going on. You get what's going on. You've been told ahead of time, this is what's going to happen. Now you may not know the day or the hour, right? You don't. But you do know the season. Amen? I know that you can't believe this, but we're coming into the fall season in southwest Florida. How, you'll know how the world will end, how things are going to end up. You're not going to lay in bed biting your fingernails and wonder if God's going to win. He's already won. Everything's going to be all right in your father's house. In your father's house. By the way, that's a good chorus, brother. Not everything's all right. Put that down on there. We'll do an echo and dub, triple echo, three deep. And let me tell you. Let me show you real quickly three necessities for God's work in your life. First Thessalonians chapter one, verse one through three. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus under the church of Thessalonians, which is which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all. It was Southern, it was Southern Church. Making mention of you in our prayers. I don't think there's a thing wrong with going through a list of people and making mention of them. The Bible says they did it. Remembering without ceasing three things. Number one, your work of faith. Number two, your labor of love. And number three, your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Now we're going to start out with the first one. We'll go through all three of those because I believe you have to have those. You should have them. They had them in the, Thessal the church at Thessalonica. First of all, the work of faith. Interesting combination of words in these three, by the way. The first one, the work of faith, is necessary. It was complimented. It was something you should have. Nothing that pleases God, and an interesting Brother Ludwig spoke about faith. I was sitting there giggling how the Holy Spirit put these two together again. I just, I, Ludwig doesn't call me and wonder what I'm wearing. I don't know what he's wearing. You know, we don't talk like the girls do sometimes. 
We don't do that. And you can tell. But uh, we didn't call and say, what are you preaching on today? No, we didn't. This is it. But he preached on faith. I'm going to be talking here in the first third of this, at least the work of faith. But without faith, it's impossible to please him, it says in Hebrews 11.6. You can't please God without faith. A lot of people come to me, lots of people through the years say, why doesn't God manifest himself? Why doesn't God show himself? If God would just do something to where I... Listen, that's already been done. It didn't work. I would like to tell you that signs and wonders would make you believe, but it will not. It won't. Faith is mentioned, by the way, some 229 times in the New Testament alone. It's only mentioned, the word faith itself is only mentioned twice in the Old Testament. Though it was important in the Old Testament, the word believes mentioned in the Old Testament, which is a synonym of it, some 40 times. God doesn't change, by the way, his method of salvation. What pleases him now pleased him back then. Faith pleased him when Abraham exercised it. Faith pleases him when you exercise it. That's the book of Hebrews chapter 11. You know that. Goes all the way back, comes all the way up. Faith, 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 faith. People believe God. We talked about Noah. By faith, he was moved with fear, prepared an ark, saving of his house, condemning of the world. And so faith is important. God does not want to show you to the point where you don't need to have faith. If he did that, he would rob you. I know it gets a little scary sometimes, but... Uh, but you cannot be saved without faith. You absolutely cannot be saved by good works. And we said that over and over. The Bible says it over and over. Not by works of righteousness which he had done, but according to his mercy he saved us. Washing and regeneration, renewing of the Holy Ghost, Titus 3.5, Galatians 2.16, other places all over. Romans 4.5, I think it says, To him that worketh not believeth on him that believeth that justifieth the ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness. You're not going to go to God I like it. I like what the poet, what the poet, a writer of the song, "Nothing in my hands I bring, only to the cross I cling." I cling by faith. I come by faith. I, I'm sustained by faith, and by the grace of God, going to end in faith. You people that are getting old—not me, but you guys that are getting old—you got a whole new challenge ahead of you, don't you? you got a whole new set of fears want to come in. Now, they're not the fears you had when you were 20. When the fears you had when you were 20, they're all gone. Fears you had when you were raising your family and all that, they're all gone. All that testing's over. Now your kids are gone. you got grandkids. You're, you're maybe you and your maid, maybe just you. And, and it's another whole set of fear wants to come upon you. Fear is the enemy of faith. Fear and faith don't dwell in the same room. And God says, believe me, trust me. It's going to look wild. It's going to look crazy. And that's why I let it look that way, because I want you to trust me. Remember, faith is not sight. If it was sight, it wouldn't be faith. That's Romans chapter 8. Reasons through that whole thing about hope and faith. Acts 1631, most of you could quote it. Believe, uh, the Philippian jailer says, uh, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved in the house. He said, What, what must I do to be saved? Well, yeah, he didn't tell him, you know, get baptized, get, get joined, and do, you know, all the, all the hundred things that people try to tell you what you got to do to be, to be right. They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. I realize that's simplicity, but it's true. Mark 1 Mark 115 says, uh, 
repent ye and believe the gospel. That was what both Jesus and John the Baptist went around preaching. Repent ye and believe the gospel. We have a work of faith. Every believer has. And that work of faith is going to be tested, going to be tried, going to be put through the fire of life. You are not going to be taken to heaven on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through stormy seas. It ain't going to happen. You and I got to go through each individual. Now, my tests aren't your tests. Your tests aren't my tests. But we're going through tests. Vito's got a whole new set of tests than I got. But we got tests, amen? Trust God. Trust Him. We have this work of faith. Those two words seems, I mean, it's, it's almost like an oxymoron. Faith, you're saved by faith without works, but if you're saved, you have works. If you're saved by faith, you have works. You with me on that? You're saved by faith without works, but if you get saved, it produces works. A work of faith. A work of faith. That's what it is. And um, it says in John 6, 29, Jesus' word, this is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. A work of God. A work of God is to believe on him whom you've sent. So it's a work to believe. The work of faith is a process of trusting through the fire, or if I may say, going into the fire, in the fire, or coming out of the fire. There's three groups of people in this room. There you're going into the fire, you're in the fire, or you're just coming out of the fire, amen? There was a time, 25 years, I had horrible migraines. I'm out of the fire. I went in the fire, I went, stayed in the fire, and I'm out of the fire. About 25 years, I had awful gout. I can't describe to you what it's like. But I went into it, I was in it, and now I'm out of it. I'm glad to be out. But God taught me something through those two big things. I, and I had other stuff going on. And, I, and now I got other stuff going on. And all of this stuff is sent to me as a present from God Almighty. What's he telling me? Trust me. Trust me. Have a work of faith. I like it, and you ought to write it down if you don't know where it's at. First uh, Peter 4, 19 says, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God. And that's every believer. Commit the keeping of your souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. I can declare unto you with absolute confidence that God is faithful. And he'll be faithful to you, but will you have a work of faith. Will you put your head down and have a work of faith? Will you put your hands to the plow that he's given you? And every one of us have a different plow to, to, to go. Be. Will you put your hands to what God's given you and, and do it with all your might? Mm. This reveals who we are. Where do you go? Who do you seek? Word commit. Or trust in God to take care of you. That's what it means when the trouble comes with things. When, when, when the whole world's collapsing, where do you go? That's the first thing, a work of faith. The second thing he says there is a labor of love. Again, these are two strange words to put together. Labor of love. It says, remembering without ceasing your late work of faith and your labor of love. Labor. I looked it up. It means trouble 
to have trouble or weakness, painfulness. So you could say painfulness of love. And to love is to invite pain into your life. To care is to suffer disappointment. When you say, I'm going to love, you're opening your heart up to be hurt. You people out there that have been hurt and you're like this in a little cocoon, you're the most miserable people on planet Earth. You people out there that are crying yourself to sleep because you're loving people, you're some of the happiest people on Earth. Spend and be spent for the cause of Christ. Labor of love. Painfulness of love. Labor is sustained by love. Labor of love. Labor is sustained by love. Uh, it, will, it will help you, this love, which is this labor which is sustained by love, will help you through any problem that comes your way. It'll help you go around the roadblocks and the, and the blockades. It'll help, you, it'll help you go through impassable resistances. You cannot stop love. A person that has a love of God and trust in God, got his, and by the way, it's not personal strength. This is not strength of the flesh. This is not strength of the will. God forbid you insult God with that. This is his strength of the Holy Spirit because you asked for it. And you know what? You have to kill a person before you can stop them if they have the love of God. You got to kill them. You got you got you got you can't stop them. In Revelation 2.10, he says it to the church of Smyrna there, for none of those things which thou shalt suffer. And let me skip to the end of that verse. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. I pray that over and over. You want to be faithful unto death? I want to be faithful unto death. I want to love, love, love. You say this morning, Brother Bill, I'm struggling in my ministry that God's given me or two ministries. I'm struggling. I'm struggling with the church thing. I'm struggling with God. Uh, that's because your love has gotten weak. And that if your love gets weak, your labor gets weak. Labor of love. If your love gets weak, your labor gets weak. If you start getting tired and weary and well-doing, your love is waning. I see it in marriages all the time. You say, Brother Bill, how can I get better? Well, at the church at Ephesus, Revelation 2.4 says... Uh, I, nevertheless, I have someone against thee because thou hast left thy first love. You can leave your love. That means you choose to back away. You choose to pull back. You choose. You say, a woman may come to me and say, I don't really love my, I've had this, well, this is a horrible thing when somebody tells you this, I don't love my husband anymore. Oh, boy, that's a bad day. And I say, Why? Well, he munches, he chews with his mouth open. He goes to bed with his socks on. He don't shower enough. His hygiene's poor. I've heard it all. Pretty soon, I don't even like him. I say, God says to love him. Well, how am I going to do that, preacher? We got this false idea in America that loves some type of mystical thing that comes. Don't know where it comes from. Don't know where it goes. The Bible, the Bible portrays this as your choice. 
Paul said, I said last week, Paul said, I command you, therefore, to love one another. How do you command somebody to love? If it's just a mystical thing that comes from where you don't know and leaves when you don't know and then you know where it comes from, it, it cannot be commanded. But God said it can be commanded. And you can choose it. So I look at the girl and I say, look, I don't like your husband either. And I don't know why in the world you'd ever married him. It was crazy. But you did. And as my old mother used to say, you made your bed and I lay in it. I don't do that. I don't do that kind of advice. You know, I'm just trying to wake you up. But what I do is, I tell her, look, choose to love him. Do you want to love him? You want to save your marriage? Yes! I don't know why, but I do. Well, it's right to do. It's right to do. So begin to seek God and say, I want to love him. I want to love him. I want to love him. I'll have the labor of love. Labor, labor, painfulness of love. And you know what I've seen happen, man? I've seen... It turned flip around, man. Pretty soon, she is in, in, in love again, and she's willing to, to serve him and uh, to help him and, and, and to have, have, in fact, she delights in doing his laundry. She delights in doing his dirty dishes. She delights in picking up after the bum. <laughs> the pig never picks nothing up, but I just delight back and help him. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. That's what love will do for you. The labor of love. You left your first love, go back and get it. I guarantee any, mar any marriage I ever consulted, there was a time when they were madly in love with each other and wanted, oh, I've had a woman tell me on this side of that, I just love being able to wash his clothes. I'm thinking, I love to hear that. That means that girl is madly in love with that boy. Amen? You don't have to let it go. Don't leave it. Go back after it. Say, I've got to have it, God. He'll give it to you. He'll give it to you. He'll help you. Because he wants you to have that. You can be renewed. You can have, you just keep asking. Don't quit. Stop counting your benefits. And by the way, start counting your benefits from God. Start thinking of all that he's done, he's done for you and all he's going to do for you. And you know what happened? Gratitude will begin to swell up in your life and your love will grow. You, your work of faith will be established. Your labor of love will grow. And thirdly, right here, your patience of hope. Interesting word combination. Patience means cheerful endurance. Patience is kind of a constancy. It's a patient continuance. These are just synonyms. And so definition of hope, hope what's hope? It's to anticipate or to expect something with confidence. I have the hope of the resurrection. I'm not resurrected yet, but I have a patient continuance with confidence that there's going to be a resurrection and that there's going to be, I'm going to listen, I'm going to hear the trumpet sound someday. Amen? And I'm going to get to be brought up to him, whether dead in Christ rise first or raptured one way or another, I get to hear the trumpet and I get to go. Amen. How about you? You got a hope for that? I do. You got a hope? You endure with confidence. Keep going when everything looks lost. Putting one foot in front of the other when you can see no good way out. Sometimes it's, you're not going to be able, you know, this, this thing called the Christian life, it's just a matter of doing this. And I'm, I'm not really that unsteady, but I'm doing it for your sake. 
In fact, there's some of you here this morning couldn't walk the line anymore. Don't get pulled over. You know? Wait a minute. At least you know I haven't been drinking this morning. I believe sometimes as a Christian man, I, I, don't, I can't even think of two days down the road. I can only think of now. When you're in pain, time goes real slow. Time goes... Woof. And 10 minutes, you think five hours. It took five hours for 10 minutes to go by. I know a few people are shaking their head. That's the people that have been in pain. Oh, my. Always understanding that a better day is coming. We're not home yet. Here's a little song I'm going to sing for you. Want to hear it? Here it goes. This old world is filled with disappointment, trouble every day. Many times I get discouraged, and I almost lose my way. Then I remember I'm just a pilgrim in this troubled world below. There's one thought that keeps me singing as I go. We're not home yet, children. So keep your eyes on the Savior. Just a few more days to labor. And we'll sit down beside that old river. How I long to be with Jesus. And my loved ones gone before me. There's a better day a coming. We're not home yet. I don't know. My album's in the back, 15 bucks each. <laughs> There's a land filled with milk and honey just waiting for me. Someday Jesus will come and take me over the sea. Till then I must keep watching and waiting. In that old, this old troubled world below, there's one thought that keeps me singing as I go. Then I do the chorus. Nobody ever asked me to do specials, so I just do my own. Have patience, folks. Quit being so impatient. Trust God. Have a consistent, believe that He is. And He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Never give up, child of God. God's going to come remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, your patience and hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and the Father. Father, thank you today for your mercy and your kindness. We pray that these folks could be edified by these few words Paul, through the Holy Spirit, penned almost 2,000 years ago. Still true today. Because every word of God is true. And when these men spoke, they did not speak as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. We pray, Father, that there may be someone, in one, two, three, in this room without Christ, their personal Savior. They have a form of religion. I'm not saying they're not religious. They have a form of religion. But they deny the power thereof. They have a form of religion, but they've never really looked at the Bible. 
They have a denomination, but they've never really fallen in love with Jesus. May today be that day where they say, I'm not going to live this dry, dead religion. I'm going to live a vibrant, living, undulating faith in Christ. Father, help us. Explain it better than I could. And may the Word of God produce fruit today, and we know it will. Father, we pray that a Christian here, maybe a marriage, I don't know, I don't know. I didn't think of anybody particularly. I have nobody in mind when I spoke this morning. But I know marriages struggle because the devil hates them. And I know Christians struggle because the devil hates us. And we're in this world, and we are in some way and fashion, Lord. We're, We're peculiar people. We're foreigners. Aliens, as it were, in this old world. But while we're in this world, help us to lift Jesus up, to have a work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida, Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.